0: Good morning. good morning. Hey, it's so good to see you guys today here. Happy New Year, by the way. I uh, hope your 2020 has started off uh, really good and I'm um, excited for this new series that we'll be kicking off. I also want to say welcome all those tuning in online. Thanks for being with us this morning and uh, listening in. So thanks for, for being a part. For 2020, you know, as as we start a new year, it's always good to reflect, you know, back. So 2020 is here. We look back 2019. Well, for me, I looked a little further back, not just 2019, but even the last 10 years. Uh, Because what's really exciting is not just 2020 is a new year, but it's also a new decade, right? And decades are um, significant because uh, we tend to underestimate uh, what we can do in a decade. You know, we overestimate what we can do in a year, but we underestimate what we could do in a decade. And so I begin to reflect and think about the last 10 years. You know, last year was a good year. Uh, so we saw some growth, saw some, some great things, um, some improvement, uh, some things that, you know, even I have to work on the challenges I saw I need to work on to get better for this next one. But overall, looking at the 10 years journey that we've been on these last 10 years, it's pretty exciting to see that. I look back 10 years and I think, wow, 10 years ago, I was not here. I was in a different uh, city. I was, I was not in Santa Fe. I was a different city. I wasn't, we didn't, the Grove hadn't started yet. Um, and just to think back what I was going through in that in, in that, that year two thousand and ten uh, was very very uh, significant and so in fact let me just tell you a little about it all right um, in two thousand ten my family we made a decision to leave something very comfortable something that we really liked a lot um, in fact our, our family where we lived our, the home we lived in we just had uh, we, we had two kids at the time and we were in the best school district in the state so there 's a lot of Perks to where we were, right? Those are really good. And um, there's a lot of reasons to stay, uh, but we sensed that there was something that we had to go for, go towards. And so we left something very comfortable to come to uh, be developed, to be trained, to be challenged, to go uh, to another level, to, to a different experience, to, to prepare for something different. And so leaving that uh, of, of that area, we were in Bernalillo. We were there for 10 years at this time, uh, 2010. And I uh, just saw God do some great things, and um, part of it was just a great church, and uh, just, it was really just a great experience. And so um, the year before, in 2009, um, I began to sense God saying, Eric, prepare for what's next. Like, just get ready. And I had no idea what that meant, but I said, all right, I'm going to get ready. So we began to talk about prayer and fasting, right? We just we included some fasting with our prayer because we really wanted to hear what God had to say for us uh, for the next stage of our, our journey and um and really he he said, prepare for us next go go forward. In fact, when we accepted the a position at a different church to begin to to be trained and mentored to start a church, uh, we went not knowing what our salary was going to be. like I was so confident in that God was going to lead us to what we needed to do to to get to the next stage of, of preparation that we we went forward without even knowing all the details that we needed to know, and uh, we just moved forward in, into that. Uh, into that role. And I'm so glad we did because it was what we needed to be able to go to the to the next place of the journey God has us on. Um, and so this last um, couple of days, last weeks, I've been reflecting on, on the decade, um, partly because I turned 40 in December. And so when it when the, the decades happen, I'm, I'm alongside that. So it's not just like a, a ne- next 10 years is starting for us is 20 the, the 2020 but for me it's the 40s right and so it's significant because when i look back over my 30s that was a great part of my life and now i'm saying 40s are going to be even better and i'm excited for that and so as i look back i see where god has led us on this journey uh, just it's incredible and i'm so grateful for the for the privilege Can i just say this i'm so grateful great, really grateful for the opportunity to do what i do today i uh, am grateful for you guys to be here today and just uh, be be doing what we're doing as a, as a community as a church as a team I'm honored. And as I reflect over the last five years as we grow, but even the 10 years, I just, it's amazing that God leads us on these incredible journeys. Um, and as I was thinking of 2020, as we prepare, we're going to go through this series called The Ascent. And the idea is that we're going to be ascending something, right? We're, we're, we're getting, we're climbing. Uh, here's what I know about you, all right? And um, is that every single one of us in this room, we have these kind of hopes and aspirations for our lives with our finances, right? Um, we want better finances. Anybody? Want some better finances 2020? All right, those people said, yeah, raise your hand, pray with you, right? Those, anybody else, yeah? All of us would say, man, we want better finances, better marriages, right? Our workplace or whatever. We're saying this this is our hopes for health, uh, for work, for relationships. We all have these upward aspirations and hopes for our life. But the problem is we choose to have downward habits and and, uh, disciplines and uh, actions in our lives. Um, So what happens a lot of times is even though we want this, we do this. And so 2019, for, for a lot of people, didn't look any different from 2018 because they didn't do anything different. They settled. They stayed. In some, some cases, it got worse because they just kept doing what was, what was comfortable, right? A downhill habit, a downhill action would be uh, what's easy, what's comfortable. So instead of ascending, you're descending in, in different ways in your life. Um, and a lot of times people just settle. They, they get to this place. They say, you know what? I'm going to just stay here because it's comfortable. It's what I know. But if 2020 is going to be better in every area of your life, you have to begin to say, what are those skills I need to learn? What are those things I need to say yes to so I can begin to go to the heights really that God wants us to? All right. And so uh, we're going to do a series called The, the, the Ascent. And uh, the idea for this series comes from this portion of Scripture, of Bible, um, in the Psalms. Uh, it's 15 different Psalms found starting in, in Psalms 120. And these Psalms, if you look at the, the, the head, header of, of it, what it, what it says is the Song of the Ascent. So they're songs of the ascent. And what that means is it's, it's songs that were sung while they were going up. Uh, another, another translation says song of the pilgrim. So um, what, what happened, and let me show you Deuteronomy. So Deuteronomy, uh, Moses instructs the people of Israel. Deuteronomy 16, he says, Three times a year, all your men must appear before the Lord your God at a place he will choose. Eventually he chose the temple, Jerusalem, to go. That's where they would appear. At the festival of unleavened bread, that's uh, Passover. That's around Easter time, right? And so that's in the, the spring. The festival of weeks. Uh, That is where we celebrate uh, Pentecost, and um, that would be in the beginning of summer. Um, And then Festival Tabernacles, that's in the fall. um, They would celebrate those three. No one should appear before the Lord empty-handed. Each each of you must bring a gift in proportion to the way the the Lord your God has blessed you. So essentially, you're going to appear before, go to the temple three times a year, right? All all the males would do this. It was was a command that God says, I want you to return back to uh, a place of worship. And so for a season, for different, the different celebrations had different lengths, and so they would go back for that, those celebrations. Um, and they would return wherever they were, where they found themselves, off in distant countries, different lands, different cities. They would return for those festivals to go celebrate. And notice, they were, they were supposed to prepare for it. supposed to, It was a part of the rhythm of their year. So every year, they knew they were going to leave their home to go to Jerusalem to worship, to celebrate, uh, to recenter themselves on saying God is God and we're not. For, for Christians, I think this idea is what we do on Sundays. It's a big part of it. Is We recenter ourselves on a weekly basis of saying we're starting our week off by saying you're God and, and we're not. We're starting our week off by saying, God, we put you first. So today, you've come, first Sunday of the year, first uh, day of the week. You've already started off by saying, God, I want to make time for you as a priority. Um, so as we go through this series, we're going to walk through these 15 psalms, of uh, these songs of ascent. Now, if you're here today, you're not a Christian. You're not a Christ follower. Um, Some of the lessons we're going to teach you and skills, you can apply them to your life and they will help you. Uh, But we're only going to come from a perspective of saying God has this intention for us that we would continue to climb, continue to ascend, that we would get better and better as we go along. And here's some practical things we can do to to understand that he wants us to do that, all right? So um, they're also known as songs of degrees. You go from one degree to the next, right? Um, This idea of we're increasing in height or measure in a positive direction. Um, so we're, we're always – it's a higher place or a thought that's arising that's going, that's getting higher and better. Um, and so in these 15 psalms, that's the challenge that, that, that we'll pull out of, 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 this, of the scriptures to help us see how we can do that. Uh, psalms 84 talks about the people that, that, that do these pilgrimages, right? So it says this, blessed are those whose strength is in you. Blessed means happy. So happy are those whose strength is in you, whose heart, hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca… That's the first reference to like the Spaniards, right? Spanish? I, I'm just kidding. I don't know if that really is or not. But it is Baca. We all know that last name. So they pass through the Valley of Baca. They make its place the spring. The spring's autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. So the idea that the pilgrims, as, they go, as, as they're leaving their, their, their homes and they're making this pilgrimage back to Jerusalem, they're going to go from strength to... To strength, this idea that you're, they're getting better. There's idea that as they, they return to the house of God, they return to worship, something is changing. Something is, is increasing in them, that they're healthy, and their strength is coming from God, right? Um, so when, when we talk about uh, these psalms, really I think it's an indication and, and a, a good picture of what we're called to do as Jesus followers. So a Christian means somebody who's following Jesus, right? And being a, a Jesus follower means that you're, you're following his example. Um, you, the word that the Bible uses is disciple. Now, when, you, you, when you're a Christian, you're a disciple of Christ, right? Well, here's, here's the problem we have at, in the Western world, and especially as Americans, is disciple, the word disciple really doesn't mean anything to us. When we think of disciple, most people think of student, right? So you go to school, and you're a student of a teacher who's teaching you things, and why do you want to learn? Well, most of the time, you want to learn so you can pass the test, right? You want to get enough information that you can pass the test to go on to the next level, the next grade. So that's really what a student is, they're just learning what the teacher knows, Disciples different a disciple just doesn't want to know what the teacher knows the the rabbi knows the disciple wants to become like the rabbi So when jesus calls the disciple says come and follow me What he's saying is I believe you have what it takes to do what I do And a disciple at some point is going to take on the mantle that the rabbi has that passes on the teacher passes on And they become what the rabbi was or the teacher was So disciple is not somebody just knows what the teacher knows a disciple is somebody who's becoming like the teacher to a degree that at some point you become the teacher to others and you begin to disciple others. So a call to follow Christ is not just knowledge, head knowledge. It's not just more information. Like I can say it like this. All right? it's a, a disciple is about becoming. It's a who are becoming. Being a disciple is not about acquiring information about God, but it's about acquiring skills in faith. So being a disciple is figuring out these skills that your teacher, that your rabbi, that your leader is trying to help you to, to, to get so you can actually use them. It'd be like an apprentice, right? So if you want to learn how to work with wood, you'd go to somebody who's really good at wood, and they would teach you the skills it takes to be able to, one, not cut your fingers off, and two, how to do a really good job with it, right? And you would learn those skills, those techniques. And then the more you practice them, the more you hone them, the better you'll get that at some point you're so good they say, now you go and become the, the master, the teacher for somebody else. So when Jesus is calling people to follow him, he's not saying, hey, come to church and learn a lot of information about the Bible. Come to church and learn a lot of information about me. He's saying, no, come and learn from me and begin to apply those skills in your life so you can have healthy relationships. So you can learn how you can know how to manage your resources well. So you can have purpose in life. And he's trying to teach us these skills so we can become somebody. So his desire for you is that you're going to become somebody better in 2020 than you were in 2019. You were in 2017 that you were in 2016 and his desire is that we would continually be allowing him to work in our lives and We would acquire these skills, right? So a disciple is about becoming who are you becoming and god is more concerned with about who you're becoming than what you're doing See religion hijacks christianity religion hijacks what we do a lot of times because religion becomes about the externals Religion becomes about what we do The problem is though it, it a lot of times fails to talk about who we are on the inside so um, in our relationship with God, God is not just saying um, worry about the outside. He's saying worry about the inside as well. For example, on, on this journey as, uh, with, with Christ, right, um, I'm, I'm allowing him to speak into my life. So if I speak harshly to my kids and he corrects me, he would say, Eric, that was a little harsh, right? It's not, hey, Eric, just fix that. More of the question usually is it's not just what you did was wrong, but it's why it's there in the first place. Where did that come from? Where did that anger originate from? Because if we can deal with the origination of that, we can really solve all these other things better. And his, his intention, his heart, is that I would fix the things on the inside, not just the outside. Does that make sense? You with me? And so when we come to church, it's not just like, hey, let's learn some information and just change some things on the outside. No, it's, all right, let's learn some skills and let's be in the practice and apply them. We even call them practices, right? The Christian faith has these practices like prayer and Bible study. Why do they practice this? Because you're not perfect at it the first time you do it. You have to practice it. You have to continually use it to be, get, get better at it, to, do, to be able to do what God wants you to. It's a process. Peter calls it a process. He says you need to add to your faith, right? And then you need to add to that. And then you have to add to the next characteristic. And he gives all these things to work on. It's, essentially, it's a journey. Paul says it's a journey that we go on. Um, and I'll read that second uh, verse in a second. Uh, Jesus says, come and follow me, his disciples, and I will make you fishers of men. What is he saying? All right, guys, disciples, you've been working with fish. I'm going to actually teach you to work in a spiritual sense in a different realm. So I'm going to help you see something different that you're not seeing. He invites them on this journey, right, to become somebody, um, to use this in, a, in, in not just the physical but in the spiritual also. So when it comes to being a disciple, I think there's two major ideas that people tend to lean towards when it comes to following Christ. Um, one is tourist and one is pilgrim. We all understand the idea of tourists, right? A tourist is looking for a destination where they can enjoy themselves, where they can find things that are pleasurable, like good food or good activities, right? Nice location, nice weather. Um, We do we do tourists as tourists, we do things at our own leisure, right? When we when we're comfortable and we can, we go on these trips when when we have the time or the resources or the ability to do it, right? Um, It's going from one experience to the next. This could be a weekly thing, it could be a monthly thing, it could be a yearly thing. it's, 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 it's looking for the immediate and the easy when, when we're tourists, it's, it's just about comfort, right? And a lot of people, they actually view the Christian faith and the, and the, the, the faith journey as tourists. Like I'll follow God when it's convenient for me. So maybe once a week, I'll, i open my Bible, maybe once a year, I'll go to church or whatever it is. And at their leisure, at their convenience. Well, when you treat the, the, the Christian journey, the, the faith journey that way, it doesn't impact you the way it needs to, because it's, it's a, it's an option. And when something's optional, its impact on you is also optional. It only happens when you decide. And, and, and the, the journey God's calling us is something different. And here's, here's the problem is, is our culture actually programs us to live this way and think this way a lot of times. Because we're always looking for the quick fix, right, for the immediate, for the shortcut. You know, lifestyle of, of, of the tourist is I want it now. I've got to have it now. You meet my needs. And what, what's so harmful about this assumption is we think we can attain anything very quick, rather quickly. And, and the truth is things that are worth attaining and going for they take time it doesn't happen right away overnight. And my wife showed me this video this last week of this guy um he's talking to his he he's he's, he's working he, he works out and hes he's in pretty good shape um, but he he's complaining about how he has this little um uh, stuff here what's it called like your little uh love handles right and a little bit of not not bad um kind of like mine I guess you know how I was like that's mine <laughs> it wasn't bad it was just was there and um and he's like, I want a six-pack. So his goal is to have a six-pack. And so the, the instructor's like, well, you're not putting in the work. He's like, I am. He's like, no, you're not. If you were, it would be gone. And he's fighting with his, with his um, instructor. And so finally what he does is he goes to the doctor. And in two hours, they give him a six-pack. I didn't know this was possible. It looked pretty fantastic. They went in, and they did whatever they did. And out two hours later, they sucked out the extra, and they added some things. And he came out, and he had a six-pack. And I'm like, whoa, that guy has a six-pack. And our culture teaches us a lot of times that's all it takes is just go the shortcut. But we we learn this from – I don't know if you're watching The Biggest Loser. right? A lot of the contestants that lost a lot of weight really quickly, a lot of times they gained it back very quickly because what happens is they focus on the external. They never change the internal. So they never really dealt with the issues that was causing to overeat. They never really dealt with the issues of what was causing being healthy. right? So they went back to the old habits. They had a downward habit. They went back to it. If we don't fix the inside – Whatever you do on the outside will only be short-term and short-lived. And so when we live as a tourist, it's about the externals. It's about the immediate. And I really believe that God is actually calling us to be, see uh, the faith journey as something different as a pilgrim. A pilgrim is somebody that's on a, on a journey, on a, going from one area to another, a, a better location. They're, they're leaving one place to journey to another place, a better place. Another word for pilgrim might be immigrant. That might be a, a really good one too. They're leaving some place that they no longer want to live so they can, they can hopefully find a better location, a better place to raise the family and do something different, right? They're leaving something to go somewhere new. Um, but but it, it takes time. It's a journey. It's passing through. It's going somewhere better. That's what it is. See, tourists is all about the immediate. Beverly still, still says it's about, about uh, the immediate. She says there are, there are no shortcuts to any place worth going. There are no shortcuts in your life to any place worth going. If you want to go somewhere that's worth it, it's going to take time, it's going to take work, it's going to take energy. And that's a good thing because in that process, you actually develop what you need to have to be able to enjoy those things even more. It's not bad. There's no shortcuts. Uh, 2 Corinthians 3.18. Let's see how Paul talks about this, this journey, right? Second um, Corinthians 3.18, he says, And we all, with unveiled faces, continually seen as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, We'll talk about the veil in a little while with what he's talking about there. But he says, um, we're seeing the glory of the Lord and we are progressively being transformed. So it's, it's a process, right? We're progressively being transformed into his image from one degree of glory to even more glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. If you read this whole chapter, he has this comparison between walking in faith with God and living by the law and trying to follow rules. So when you, when, you, when you live with religion and just doing the externals and trying to, trying to please God through what you do, it's called religion. right? It's in our own works. It's in our own strength that we make God happy. And he contrasts it saying that only brings death. But a relationship with God, walking in the spirit, walking, allowing God to work in you, it brings life. He says there's this choice that you have to make. And he makes this, 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 um, this comparison of saying too many people are choosing this, of just focusing on the externals. Going for for what they can, he said, you need to really choose this. If you want to go from, and and the call, he says, is this, that we go from one level of glory to the next level of glory to the next level of glory. It's a a journey that we're on that God is working in us so that I'm a better person today than I was yesterday. I'm a better person today than I was last year because I'm allowing God not just to help me on the externals but to say, hey, what's on the inside? Where does that come from? Why is there so much of that inside of you, right? It's, It's the faith journey. It's a process Um, of transitioning from the faith journey, the process of transitioning from one degree of glory to the next. That's what it means to be a Jesus follower, is you're saying, God, I want you to continue to help me to look more like you. I want you to help me continue to think like you. I want you to help me continue to to, to act and be more like you to this earth. As we do that, we actually begin to find that we were actually created to live that way. And it's a journey we're saying we'll continue to move forward, right? Um, The Bible, the word the Bible uses is called sanctification, it's, it's this process that God works in us, right? So the, the journey with Christ, we start in Christ. So we're saying, all right, I'm leaving, uh, becoming part of the family of God, so I'm in Christ. But the end of the journey is no longer that we're just in Christ, but now it's Christ in us so much that we actually talk like Christ. We look like Christ. We, we, we do what Christ would do. And that's the goal is he's helping us say from glory to glory, from one level of, of, of maturity to the next level of maturity, that you don't stop this journey. Uh, in our in our, one of our small groups that we have, which will be starting in the beginning of February, um, end of January, beginning of February, will be when the groups start. One of our groups is called Freedom, and in this in this book, one of the, the the lessons we work through, there's this part where it talks about this process of sanctification, right? And you get, they give this list of of um, the four stages of Christianity. And this last um, year, when I read the four, the list, I thought, man, that's 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 interesting. That's not like just four steps. For me, I, I look back over my journey and I think those four. Stages were actually major shifts of understanding for me. Um, They they were more like mountains to climb in some sense, right? So the first one is uh, the first stage is from an unbeliever to somebody who begins to believe that Jesus is who he says he is and begins to follow, right? And then once you have that belief, you begin to say, okay, now I'm going to follow you to become a disciple. So believers become disciples who are allowing God to let them grow. And the next step is then those disciples become leaders who find their purpose in life. And then once they find that purpose, they begin to serve others. And essentially, as they get to this stage, they actually go back to this stage and say, "How many help you? Can, how many people can I help go through this process?" And you become a disciple who makes more disciples. And that's the process that God calls us to. And I was thinking through this. You know, I don't know if it might surprise you, but the highest level of our journey in Christianity is servanthood. I think it's very counterintuitive to the world's view of of way of thinking, right? But it's the greatest goal of a Christian is to fill the purposes at which God created us to live. And that requires for us to become his servant. It's, it's, so Jesus modeled his disciples. He got the, the towel. He got the, the, the wash basin. And he washed the disciples' feet and says, let me illustrate for you what it looks like to be the greatest in the kingdom. You serve others. It's not about you and what you can get. That's a tourist mentality. It's about you saying, I come alongside and say yes to you. All right. So when I think about ascending, when I think about uh, the journey, uh, hiking comes to mind. Anybody gone hiking before? Right? Hiking be, can be pretty brutal sometimes. Well, I found some, I found some um, safety tips for us when, on this journey of ascending. Right. So if you ever go hiking, here's the first safety tip. All right. Safety tip one, if you get lost, stay where you are. And if you really are going to – one, you have to acknowledge you're, you're lost. Right. That takes an acknowledgement that you're lost. I thought this time was pretty funny. You know, Stay where you are because we don't like you. Please don't come back. And then it says, just kidding, if you can't read that, it actually increases your chances of being found. Like that's that, that's really, if you're really lost, if you stay put, you'll more likely be found. If you keep wandering, you probably get lost worse. And so you have to acknowledge you're lost, right? That's a joke. All right, next one. If Another hiking tri- uh, tip, all right? Don't go alone. If you're on hiking, don't go with somebody. You know there's bears out there, right? Make sure you uh, go with somebody. And if they're in worse shape than you, that might help you a more when a bear comes, all right? just joking. All right. Psalms 120. Let's read the first Psalm that we're going to get into when it comes to the song of a Psalm 120 is the first one. And uh, we're, today's goal and, and this whole series goal is not to give you information, right? In fact, I'd rather you do something with it than just know more about it. Um, it's really to say, here's a skill, here's a practice, here's something that you need to do um, to help you to go to the next level. So I think all these Psalms are teaching us something to help us to know how can we continue to become a better version of us? How can we have better marriages? How can we have better finances? How can we have better work environments, right? And and this is a big part of that. So Psalm 120 says this, I'm in trouble. I cry to God, desperate for an answer. Deliver me from the liars, God. They smile so sweetly, but lie through their teeth. Do you know what's next? Can you see what's coming? All you barefaced liars, pointed arrows, and burning coals will be your reward. I'm doomed to live in Meshach. Cursed with a home and my whole life lived camping along quarrelly neighbors. I'm all for peace, but the minute I tell them so, they go to war. You probably read that like that doesn't make any sense to me. How is that going to help us to know how to go on this journey? Well, let's break it down a little bit. All right, there's some great ideas in, the, in these in these 15 psalms. One of the things I love about them also is the psalms are prayers. Right, so you have to think of the psalms as songs that were sung, but they're also prayers that were prayed. So this is an honest prayer from somebody saying. I'm doomed, right, or I'm in trouble, I cry to God. So he's saying, all right, God, I'm in trouble here, I need your help. It's an honest acknowledgement of where the person is. Um, essentially, so the first part, I'm in trouble, I cry to God, desperate for an answer, deliver me from the liars, God. They smile so sweetly, but lie through their teeth. Notice that this, this, the psalmist is taking his issues to God, not to people that can't do anything about it. So many times when we find ourselves in situations at work and family, we take our issues to other people. It's called gossip, right? And we talk about all the bad things about other people, and we don't, but they can't do anything about it. They just listen. And it makes us feel a little better because we let it out, but it actually doesn't solve our problem. He's actually saying, acknowledge who can help you. Take it to the person who can help you. When you have issues, if it is your supervisor, take it to your supervisor. That's fine. But a but lot of times it needs to say, God, you're the one that can help me because I can't wh- – where else can I go, right? And then notice it's the mouth is the first thing that's being judged here because the mouth – a lot of times it directs our lives. It actually is an indicator of what's on the inside. And so the mouth is being the first thing that's being exposed because the mouth exposes our heart, right? What, what comes out of our mouth is an indicator of what's on inside of us. Um, so it's, it's really uh, – the psalmist is, is saying, one, we're going to be hurt. He acknowledges there's hurt in lives and people do things that hurt us. But you don't take your hurts and problems to other people or to people that can't do anything about it. You take it to the people that can or to the person that can. You take it to God. And that's the first thing I find in this psalm is he's saying, all right, God, I'm on this journey of pilgrimage, right? I'm journeying somewhere, and I have to acknowledge and realize that, man, I don't like where I'm at. I need help. And then notice the next, the next verse is, I'm doomed to live in Meshech, cursed with a home in Keter. My whole life lived camping among quarreling neighbors. So um, he, he's, he's essentially saying I'm, I'm, I'm looking around, and the place I've been living is around people that I – the environment I'm in is not a good environment, right? I'm all for peace, but the minute I tell them so, they go to war. So essentially, I'm tired of living around those who want war when you want peace. You can't let the conflict of and immaturity of others to pull you down to that, their level, right? You have to choose to live at a higher, take the higher ground, the higher road. And, and this series really is about that, saying how can we begin to see from God's perspective, his vantage point? How can we, instead of responding when people say something harsh, back with something harsh, we can say what's going to be helpful in this situation? And a lot of times it's not right or wrong. A lot of times it's a better answer. Because you can, you can say something that's right and still be wrong. You can say something that's right and still hurt the conversation more. It's rather saying, what is the right thing? What is the wise thing to do? And really, if you're going to journey with God, he's saying, let me work in you so you can know what to say, when to say, how to say it at the right time. right? So he, he's helping us to see something different. So don't let the, the conflict of others pull you down. Um, but you ask God to give it a higher perspective. And you know, we look at how Jesus did it. We did a series last year called How to Live Through a Bad Day. And the writer of Hebrews says, if you want to know how to, how to live through a bad day, look at somebody who did it. In fact, let's look at Jesus and how he lived through his bad day. And we studied that. Last year we studied a great great uh, series that we did. But essentially, if we look at Jesus, he's on the cross being nailed. Like they are, they are hurting him, physically hurting him. And what is his prayer to God? Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. So if you feel like you're being crucified at work, somebody's saying something about you, if you want to know the response Jesus would say was, hey, slow down. Instead of just going off the, off, the, off the handle, flying off the rail, slow down. Maybe they don't even know what they're doing. Maybe it's a selfish motive they're doing. They don't even understand the impact they're bringing. And God can say, God, forgive them. Why? Because he wasn't looking at just the moment. He was looking at eternity. He was looking at the bigger picture of saying, God, when it comes to eternity, yes, that's not a good moment. He's not saying we should hurt people. He's saying, God, they don't even know what they're doing. They don't even know they're on the wrong team. They don't even know the consequences that will follow their actions. God, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. So when we follow God, he's saying, let me help you to see from a different perspective. Let me help you get to a higher ground so you can look back and say, oh, wow, all that doesn't work. And man, let me let me help you from a different higher vantage point to see something different. You take the high road, right? You don't get in the mud with other people. What happens when you get in the mud with other people? You both get dirty. And it takes a lot of time, a lot of resources, a lot of energy to get cleaned up. So don't get in the mud in the first place, right? Learn to take the higher road. And I hope that this series will do that. How can we have a higher perspective? How can we see things differently, right? So it's not its not about avoiding conflict. That's what I'm saying. It's how to deal with it, how to overcome it. Because when you overcome it, it means you climb above it. You go to the next thing. You get over it. In fact, the Bible says this. You don't ever overcome evil with evil. You only overcome evil with good. So if you give evil for evil, you get more evil. But if you want to overcome evil, you have to respond with good. And you ask God, what does that good look like? What is this moment? Why I give grace when they don't deserve it? right? Will I give mercy when... Man, I shouldn't. Sometimes that's what good is—is um, is that you do what what God's asking you to. So here's here's when I look at this this psalm. Here's a couple ideas that we're gonna pull out that I think will help us on this journey, right? So if you're wanting a better 2020, here's some some ideas. To go someplace new, you have to leave someplace, and a lot of times something old, right? So change. It doesn't typically happen unless the pain of not changing is greater than the pain of having to change. What I mean by that is. If you go to the doctor and the doctor says all of your numbers are wrong, and if you don't change something, you're going to die, right? Usually that pain of dying is worse than having to st- eat something healthy, broccoli or whatever, right? You're like, no, not broccoli, whatever it is. Until the pain of, of the, re- the consequence results of not doing something healthy will hurt you, you, you eventually change. That's one, one way people change. The other way that is just as effective and probably one of the ways you should really consider, especially when it comes to small groups, is you have to get the right people in your life to help you to overcome that through accountability, through, through journeying together through these same issues, right? So somebody wants to uh, break a habit, find somebody that has the same habit, work together to break the habit. You'll be more likely when you have somebody accountable, when you can walk, walk that journey with somebody else. You have people around you, right? Uh, so if you want to go someplace new, you have to leave someplace old. And in, the, in that, in that uh, psalm, he, he's talking about that, right? Uh, there will always be some amount of discomfort going anyplace new. You just have to understand that. If you go in your car right now and go to Albuquerque, there's going to be some form of discomfort, right? might take a little longer than you're hoping. might be traffic. It might be your seat. might be sitting for an hour, whatever it is. There's going to be some form of discomfort. It's not always the most comfortable thing. Any journey's like that. When you understand that, it helps you understand, okay, going here doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It doesn't mean it's going to always be necessarily fun every time, but it's going to get, I'm going to become better, right? Um, so there will always be some kind of amount of, of discomfort. Um, and a lot of times what happens is people choose to settle or they choose to go the the wrong way because of what's comfortable rather than to go someplace better because it's uncomfortable. So you have to say, all right, uh, it's going to take preparation. It's going to take time, and a lot of times time is the, the hardest thing, right? Because when you're in transition, it's kind of scary, right? It can be like exciting but also scary whenever you're leaving one place, you go to the next. It's that middle ground that's really like, oh, am I going to get there? You have to just know that you have. when you say yes, just keep going. Don't stop. Keep moving forward. So the question for, for you today is this. Is there a gap between where you currently are and where you want to be? In your finances, is there a gap from where you are and where you really want to be for 2020? Is there a gap from where you currently are and where you want to be in your relationships, in work, in school? Whatever it is, whatever area of your life, your your, your physical health, is there, is there a gap? If there is, what is it going to take to close that gap? I think this is the psalm is, is talking about. So the psalm is saying, you know, uh, Meshach and Kedder. These are locations. One is a location that's kind of by Russia, so it's very far away. So one one idea is he's saying, in this this case, I've I've wandered so far from what God has for my life. I'm so far away. I don't want to be here. The other is a reference to a group of people that that were Bedouins that that traveled. And they were actually very um, immoral, and they caused a lot of destruction and pain to those people around them. So he's he's acknowledging and saying, I'm far from God, and I'm in the company of people that I shouldn't be around. And he's making it, the psalmist is making an acknowledgement of saying, I don't like where I'm at. There's a gap here. And that's the starting point for all of us, is to acknowledge, is there a gap? What is that gap going to take to be filled? And depending on how far you've wandered, that gap might seem really, really big. Here's, but here's the thing. As long as you take one step, one step towards it, you'll eventually fill that gap. You have to keep moving, keep moving, you know, keep moving. So in your life, what is your meshik and keter? What are those situations where you find yourself saying, Man, that that creates a big gap from where I really want to be in my relationships, my finances, my marriage. You have to identify it and locate it and say, this is where I'm at, right? This is the reality of where I am as opposed to where I want to be. And until you can identify that, you will not be able to close that gap. And I think that's probably maybe the biggest issue we have is we are not aware of our issue. But you know who is? The people around you. And if you'll be humble enough to say, help me out. What do you see that I'm not seeing? They'll help you because we all have issues, right? And if you don't think you have an issue, that is your biggest issue. <laughs> Ask people around you. They'll tell you your issue pretty quickly. This is your issue. You get angry. You blow up. You, you see the negative all the time, whatever it is, right? They'll, they'll, they'll point out to you what your issue is. And you have to be um, in a way of saying, I want to receive. I want to be in a, a position to grow, not just be defensive and ask. You'll be able to do it. That's why small groups, I'm, I get, small groups are so good for this because you'll begin to f- realize you're not alone with issues. We all have issues. It's like, wow, you have that issue too. Cool. Let's work on this issue together. All right, let's do it. And you begin to have some traveling companions along this road to be able to overcome things, right? So what is your Meshach and ketter in your life? What are those situations? What are those environments you're in that are not good that you need to leave? Because here's the truth. Nothing changes until something changes. 2020 is not going to be any different from 2019 unless you change something to make it different. Otherwise, it'll just be like the year before and the year before. And a lot of times the thing that needs to change is you. It's me. It's on the inside if we want the change to last. We could do all the externals, but if we don't begin to work on the inside, those things won't last very long. And, and having the people in our lives to, do, to, to help us with that, God, other people, a church community, a small group, those things, they, they add to it to help us do that. You know, when, when, it, when I think of this psalm, really the idea that it's pointing to, probably the starting point for Christianity is, is the word called repentance. So he's acknowledging where he's at, but then he's saying, I don't want to stay here. I'm going to, make, I'm going to be a pilgrim that journeys back to a better place. So repentance, the idea of repentance, repentance is saying, um, in the Old Testament, it, it's, a, it's a change of direction. So it's, it's, you're going one way. You're on a path that's leading to destruction, a path that's not going anywhere good. You make a decision to say, nope, I'm not going to go this way no more. I repent. I turn away from that. And you walk a different direction. In the New Testament, the idea is a change of mind. Right? So your, your thoughts that have been getting you to more debt, your thoughts of getting you into bad relationships, your thoughts of whatever it is that you're, you're leading you, to change it, you have to have a change of thought. So repentance, we can say it like this. Repentance is having a change of heart and a change of mind. It's having a new thought. So the thoughts that got you into debt are not going to get you out of debt. The thoughts that got you into negative will not get you into a positive. That make sense? You have to have a change of that. And so with this idea of repentance and saying, it takes acknowledgement of saying, this is where I'm at. I found myself and I'm, I'm on the wrong path. God, help me. And, and the, 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 the psalmist says, God, I'm going to journey back to your place. It's the starting point for all of us to say, I'm here, but it's not where I want to be. There's a gap from, between here and where I want to be. God, help me to close the gap. And as we we start these songs of ascent, it's really saying, all right, God, I'm going to turn to you, and I'm going to begin to close this gap. I'm going to go from one level of glory, one level more like you, to another level of improvement, of allowing you to work in my life, right? It's a change of direction. And here's here's the truth when it comes to the repentance of of the heart and the mind, is your level of living, it never goes higher than your level of thinking. What you think about determines where you end up. And if you've been thinking negative, you're going to get negative results. It's until you say, God, help me with my thinking. And a big part of what Paul talks about in the New Testament is saying, let God transform the way you think from how you used to think to how he wants you to think, how you should think, how you should see things from a different perspective. Let him be your guide, right? Sir Edmund Hillary, uh, the first one that conquered um, Mount Everest, he said this, it's not the mountain we conquer, but ourselves. It's a pretty profound quote there. He conquered the biggest mountain on, on, on planet Earth. And he says, it's not the mountain we conquer, it's ourselves. On this journey, it's, it's the inside that really has, taken, it has to change. It's, it's who we are. John Maxwell says this about climbing. The person on top of the mountain, he didn't fall there. Hey, if you want to get to the top of the mountain in 2020, you're not going to fall there and wake up there one day. The person on top of the mountain didn't fall there. You have to get up to go up. Only those who dare to take risks and courageously take initiative can reach extraordinary heights. You also have to give up to go up. Mountain climbers who wish to scale the highest peaks must travel light. They have to set aside the non-essentials, packing only the gear that's vitally important for their ascent. Repentance and this journey of acknowledging, that's a part of lightening the gear, lightening the load, right? You're saying, all right, God, all this stuff, man, I don't want it. Help me to get over this stuff. Help me to leave that behind so I could ascend with, with less baggage, right? And I think a lot of times what's so hard to climb is we don't deal with the past, so we just always drag it with us. And if you carry something really heavy up a mountain, you don't last very long. Or you have to eventually shed it, lighten its load, right? So I would say this. The secret in living an overcoming life is not what we say no to, but it's what we say yes to. So repentance has two parts. It's no and rejection of the things that weren't working. It's no to the world. But at the same time, it's yes to God. See, a lot of people say when the new year starts, my resolutions: no to this, no to this, no to this. But their yes, a lot of times, is something that's nothing much better than that. God is saying, you have to say no to these things, but you have to say yes to something better. To repentance, say no, I change directions, and yes, God, I follow your lead. So being a Jewish follower says, God, I say yes to you. I want you to lead me on this journey, right? You know, um, I talked about when, when Paul talking about the veil that covered their face and their heart. Uh, if you read 2 Corinthians um, 3, he, he gives this idea that when... The story, the backstory is when when Moses went to the mountain, he went up to the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments from God. And when he'd meet with God, he would hang out with God in his presence for, for days at a time and in some cases weeks at a time. When he'd come down from the mountain, because he was with God so much, his face began to radiate, the Bible says. So he was actually like beaming and glowing from God's presence, which freaked the people of Israel out, right? What freaked you out too, like your face is glowing, man. And it freaked him out. So what he started doing is he would putting a veil on his face to cover it so they wouldn't be freaked out about it. But after a while, the glory would fade. So every time he'd go up, the glory would appear and, and, and he, he, he would shine some more because he's in God's presence. A picture of the law is what Paul is saying. That when we do things, it lasts for a little while, but it's, it only brings death, only reveals to us what's not working. He says if you want to live relationship, that's going to take the Holy Spirit's help, right? And so essentially he's saying that veil will be taken off. And the, the thing that covers the face is, is really Moses was beginning as, as the glory faded. He actually left it on to pretend that he still had the glory of God with him, like he was still radiating, and he wasn't. So it became a a, a false a mask, a, something that you covered and weren't honest about it. And and what what first covers the face that we're not honest with, eventually covers our heart, and we just began to believe it. And Paul says, you have to like, help like, allow God to remove those from your life, so you could be begin the journey with Him. That's what repentance is about: is being honest, saying God, I acknowledge that I'm in this place. I'm no longer going to pretend. I'm no longer going to um, fake it. I'm going to be honest. This is not a good place to be. Help me out. And then we begin the journey of saying, God, lead me on the journey you want me to go. You know, I think the best uh, story I've ever heard it, to help illustrate this idea of when you're on a, on a journey, when you're when you're living something but you don't understand why or uh, what, what you're doing it for, um, it, one, the journey is more difficult a lot of times, but you don't accomplish what you're supposed to accomplish. And a lot of times because of our culture, we we treat things like tourists, right? We don't understand that. Well, you mean God's been calling me on a pilgrimage this whole time, a journey? Yes. It's been, he, the whole time the call has been to, to, to follow his lead, sometimes to go difficult places, not to be comfortable, not to just get your ticket and wait for wait for the ride. It's to, to do something more, right? He's calling us to more. Well, I heard a story, uh, a pastor, he told a story about his niece. Um, and uh, his niece, Alina, when, when uh, she was nine, uh, she was in the fourth year, season of swimming. So her mom took her four, four years in a row uh, uh, to the swimming team to swim, right? And uh, she was losing every race. Every race she would lose. And so uh, her mom, uh, the, finally, her mom's like, all right, if she can't do it, we're just going to give up, try a different sport. She must not be good at swimming. But she had to build everything. They said she should be really good. She's a good swimmer. But she would lose every race. So finally, her mom says, all right, she goes, the fourth season, she goes to her daughter, and this is what she says I want you to get out there, and I want you to win this race. And her daughter's answer was, It's a race? I thought we were here to meet people. Because when you go to swim races, they're called swim meets, right? So for four seasons, she thought she was here to meet people, hang out with people. So she's like, I'm the worst mother in the world. I've been taking my daughter for four years to something she didn't even know about. I think this is us sometimes in the faith journey. We don't even know what we're doing. We're just kind of doing it. And the whole time we're like, oh, you want something else from this? Here's what's interesting about this story. That race, she went out and she won. And the next race, she won. And the next race, she won. By the end of the season, she was the only swimmer in her, in her club that advanced to the next level because she was that good. She was that good, but she didn't even know what she was doing the whole time. I think there's a lot of those people in this room. You are that good, and you have that much potential in your life, but you've settled. You've gone backwards. You've taken it You've taken it easy. And all times God's saying, if you will just wake up, if you will just grab what I have for you, there is so much potential in your life to help others. But you don't even know what you're doing because maybe it's the world, maybe it's your own lives, whatever it is that you're telling yourself, it's just about comfort. No, God's saying, you have to get up. You have to move. You have to take a step and then another step. And then the journey sometimes is going to be up, sometimes it's going to be down. Right? It's, going to, it's going to be this journey that we follow God. But He's saying, if you'll get honest, if you'll acknowledge where you're at, it's a race? <laughs> I thought I was here to meet people. No. It's a journey. You're a pilgrim. And that journey sometimes goes through treacherous parts of life and is difficult, which we'll talk through these next Psalms. You'll see. But there's hope in the middle of all that, too. Just keep going. Don't stop. Here's my challenge. Acknowledge where you are. Acknowledge where you are. Get honest. Don't pretend. If you keep pretending, if you can't be honest about the situation you're in, you'll never be able to fix it. It's really not that bad. No, it is bad. And until you honestly say this is a bad habit, this is something that keeps me from God's best for my life, this is something that keeps me stuck, and we make excuses and make reasons to keep it, we never progress, we never move forward. Acknowledge where you're at in your marriage, in your finances, in your life, in your relationship with God, in your relationship with others, and be honest enough to say, okay, I don't want to be here like the psalmist. God, help me to pilgrim how made this pilgrimage towards what you have how many move forward All right so first step is face the truth be honest and don't pretend and it's not just a no it's also a yes to god god a yes to what you want so my question is are you a tourist or are you a pilgrim when it comes to the faith journey are you a tourist or are you a pilgrim are you searching only for comfort and indulgence and what's easy or are you journeying someplace worth going someplace that's better I'm going to put the four stages of of Christianity again up there, and I'll ask you this question. When you look at this list, where are you on these four stages? Some of you in this room, you've never allowed God to lead you. You're you're in some ways still questioning and wondering. That's okay. That's a good place to be. Just ask God. Be in trust him for your life. So maybe you're the unbeliever. This first stage for you is saying, God, I have questions, and he welcomes those questions. That he would lead you to this journey of belief. And then that journey of belief turns into, I'm going to trust him with everything and become that disciple who grows. And then from that disciple who grows, you become a leader who discovers your purpose in life. And from that purpose, that leadership, you, you turn into a servant that now says, I'm going to help as many people as possible do this. What stage are you on? I would say in 2020, would you make it a habit, make it a choice to go to the next stage? See, a lot of people, they go from unbelief to say, God, I believe in you. Hey, thank you for dying on that cross. It's awesome. So good. I'm going to stay right here the rest of my life. And they never progress. They never advance. And they wonder, like, man, this faith stuff just doesn't work. I'm going to try something else. And a lot of people get stuck in that first stage. Really, God's saying, there's another stage. There's another step. And some of us say, I want to follow Christ. I'm, I'm all in. I'm going to go faithfully to church. I'm going to do all the externals. He said, no, no, you need to grow. And that starts on the inside. Let the Holy Spirit begin to speak to you. Let others in your life speak to you. And for you, some of you that have been growing... Now it's your turn to step up. Now become a leader. Lead a small group. Get out there and do something with your life to make a difference. Discover the purposes God has put in your life. Maybe maybe 2020 will be the year where you say, I'm going to be used by God in a great way to make a difference. For you that have been doing that, maybe your next step is now how can you begin to serve others to do that? How can you begin to help as many people as possible? Because the ultimate goal is that as disciples, we become like Christ. And then we begin to help other people become like Christ also. We become disciples who make disciples, who then teach them how to make disciples. And the, world, the reason the world's been impacted by Christianity so much is because people have said, no matter what I face, I'm going to follow Christ, and I'm going to use my life to make a difference. Even when everybody else rejects it, I'm going to use the skills and the practices Jesus gives me to live a life that would impact as many people as possible. Can you imagine with me what this week would look like if we would acknowledge and say, God, this is where I'm at, this is where I don't want to be. Help me take a step towards you. On Monday and on Tuesday, we said, God, this is not, I'm not there yet. I'm going to keep moving. Can you imagine what 2020 would look like if all of us in the room said, let's ascend, let's go to the next level, let's not stay there. In our marriages, let's ask the hard questions, let's get some coaching, let's get some some help in that so we can become better in our finances. Let's stop having downhill habits with our spending, let's have uphill habits that will lead us to something better in our lives. Do me a favor, would you close your eyes and bow your head today as we end our service? Only those who choose to take the next step will reach the top. Those who settle never will. Don't settle, keep moving if it's only one step. You know, today as we end our service, I would love to give an opportunity for those in this room that you're stuck, you've settled, you need to move forward. And you would say yes to God again. Repentance about saying no to things that don't work and yes to things that, that God's asking you, the things that do work. Some of you in this room, you're here and you need to take that first step of unbelief and not trusting God completely to that place of saying, God, I'm all in. I turn around and I'm having a change of heart, change of mind. Would you lead me on this journey? Before you leave, I would love to lead those in that room that would say that in a prayer. For you that are stuck you need, in your own words you need to say God help me get unstuck I pray for you that are, need to take that first step I want to lead you an opportunity right now but if that's you if you're here and you acknowledge I'm not where I need to be God I, I want to ask for your forgiveness I want to ask for your help to get to the place you want to lead me if that's you would you do me a favor lift your hand right there I'm not going to call you to the front but just in your seats where you're at awesome awesome see if your hand's going up anybody else it's me first step is being honest enough to say god i don't like where i'm at help me to the next place so for all you that raise your hand i'm gonna lead you to prayer and if you're a jesus follower in this room would you pray with us so that those that are praying aren't praying alone say this today if you raise your hand say father god today i acknowledge that i need your help i don't like where i'm at and i want to move towards you forgive me of my choices of my sin that have led me away from you. Today, I choose to follow you. I put my hope in you. I put my trust in you. Teach me the skills I need to live an overcoming life. Come into my life. Make me a new person. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on that cross so I could have a new start. Thank you that he's alive today. To help me on this journey. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Celebrate that. <clears throat> we celebrate all those that uh, pray that so good.